I've just received a call from Secretary Clinton. She congratulated us, it's about us, on our victory. Baga. Hello, oh. Hello. Welcome. Oh. Welcome to Sustainable 64. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, don't, I don't oh. want to do this anymore. I was quite happy not doing this. And when I was not doing it, you know, I didn't have to talk about all of the stuff we're going to talk about. That's what I didn't have to talk about. <laughs> every time, every time we go away, something terrible happens. But neither of us believe anything this terrible could happen. No. We are your friendly, depressed little environment podcast all about people and the planet. And why, despite everything, sometimes we need to have a bit of a chuckle every now and then. Um, And what have we got coming up this week? Oh, well, nothing much of note to talk about. Of course there is. Look, we, we weren't even going to do this episode. We, we, for very exciting reasons and potentially planet-trashing reasons, uh, we have been away and we were going to tell you all about it next week for episode 65. But because of the extraordinary event across the pond in that there America where, and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, Donald J. Trump has been elected president of the United States, uh, we felt like we had to come back and talk about that because um, it's a disaster. Um, We do work for environmental charities, but these are very much our own views. So if you have any issue with anything that we have said, take it up with me or with him. Or with Donald J. Trump, president-elect of the free world. But for Uh heaven's sake, Uh (laughs) don't take it up for anyone that we work for. And you know what? I'm not, whatever, do what you like. I'm not sure anything matters anymore, really. Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Um, Inhoff time. <laughs> now, We're going to need a bigger Inhoff corner. <laughs> we really are. This is the section of the show named after the senator in America, Jim Inhoff, who doesn't think climate change is real because there's still snow. How uh, we laughed! How we laughed at this <laughs> crazy fringe nut job. This yes. this one voice. This lone nutcase in America. A dying How breed. Watched. We laughed as we watched his last whimpering breaths in the, <laughs> the arena of political relevance. But suddenly, Inhoff and his ilk are the darlings of the political current. Oh, God. And that is because this week's Inhoff is Donald Trump, President-elect of America. Oh, just have a listen to this. Certainly climate has changed, but they, you know, they used to call it global warming. 
they've had many different, uh, they call it extreme weather. They always change the name to encapsulate everything. The problem we have is our businesses are suffering. Our businesses are unable to compete in this country because other countries aren't being forced to do what our businesses are being forced to do. And it makes us non-competitive, which is something that I feel very strongly about. And I feel that it puts us at a great economic disadvantage for jobs and other things. So here's the thing that's happening, right? When, like, I, I'm thinking about this and my brain is only saying to me, it's all right, mate. It's not that bad. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine to <laughs> worry exactly about it. exactly what's happening. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> like, Just finding a fine. way to deal with it. It'd be fine. It'd be, it'd be all right. I mean, he said some mean things, but, you know, it'd be all right. He's not. He can't. He isn't. Like, that's what my brain is going. My brain worse is thing, worse things have happened. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of one, but no. worse things have definitely happened. So what you... Re- I don't know. Look, the thing is this, right? Uh, Donald J. Trump is going to be president of America. He has said that he is going to pull America out of the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, which is not yet uh, a year old as a thing. Uh, he has said that he's going to reverse all of President Obama's things about shutting down coal-fired power stations. He is going to stop spending money on the environment. He's going to appoint Sarah Palin as Grand Queen Almighty. Um, <laughs> he's going to. He's, he's asked those nice people who were trying to build the Keystone Pipeline yep. uh, and got told that they couldn't build it uh, to come back and, and resubmit plans, have another go, and and that's you know obviously no connection to the fact that he holds shares in some of the companies that uh, are going to build the Keystone Pipeline. I mean, it's it's extraordinary. It's ah. Oh. And um, this is the man who, in 2012, before he decided he was going to stick his oar in and try to be president, this is the man who said on Twitter, and it's still there, he ain't deleted it, still yeah. said, um, <laughs> it's global, amazing, isn't it? it's like, yeah, yeah, there, I said that. Yeah. global warming is a conspiracy, uh, that I'm paraphrasing, uh, that was invented by the Chinese, uh, by and for the Chinese, to make American manufacturing uncompetitive. Basically, we have elected... Inhofe. We haven't. The Americans have. Have elected Inhofe. An Inhofe. A big orange Inhofe <laughs> is now the boss of the free world. And I am not as scared about it as I should be, but I'm really, really scared. <laughs> Well, shall we stop talking about things upon which we have no authority to espouse? I admit this would be the end of sustainable. (laughs) We've been doing that for precisely 64 episodes, too many of them, but uh, okay. I'll humour you. I think what we should do is, this is what we always do when we get run out of things to say. Let's talk to someone who knows what they're talking about. What do you reckon? (laughs) Eject! Eject! (laughs) Help! Somebody! You! You over there! You must know something! Come on, our podcast. So we are going to have a little chat with a lovely lady called Janet Redman, who is the policy director of American-based, fossil fuel-hating, climate change-loving, think tanky-type campaign group, Oil Change International, who you may remember back in episode 30 when I had a sniffle and couldn't do the babble, and I interviewed... Sorry, uh, can their... you say that in a proper voice? I don't oh. I've already heard you. <laughs> we interviewed their campaign director, David Turnbull, to ask him what the hell was going on. And actually, you may remember, we asked him... This. Is Donald Trump actually going to win? Is that a thing that's going to happen? Is he even going to get the Republican nomination? Tell, tell me, isn't tell me, tell me. Come on, give us a reason to be I, cheerful. I, I, I really, really, I, my, my mind just isn't 
it doesn't let me think that this it just it just it just won't let me say oh yes donald trump is going to be the republican nominee i i think um so it did happen and so we're going to talk to someone else who works there because clearly his brain will now be broken so <laughs> this is our chat with janet redmond policy director oil change international so hello janet hi there Hello, thank you very, very much for speaking to us. Um, is America still a thing? Uh, <laughs> yes, it's, it, it feels like it. We're still, I'm still here in Washington, D.C., and the buildings are still standing. I rode my bike past Congress the other day. It's still there. Uh, the White House <laughs> is, still, is still around. Uh, it's, it's a little weird right now because, of course, all the scaffolding is up for the inauguration. So we're all, I think, in a bit of a, in a, bit of a state of shock. <laughs> yeah, Janet, what, what the bloody hell have you guys done? I mean, I let's be honest, you guys had Brexit first. I feel like you kind of <laughs> set the stage for us. So I, you know, I was thinking about apologizing for, for having Trump elected here in the United States. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a little tired of women apologizing for men's mistakes. And I, I'd rather, I'd rather push it off on you guys. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> it's a fair point. Uh, we can only apologize for Brexit and Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson and all of that horror. But you weren't supposed to copy it. It was just this is the problem with empire. I mean, we learned all the, you know, we learned everything from watching you or, you know, we come from <laughs> you. So we just thought we were following your lead. It seemed to work so well for the first couple hundred years. Now, I think um, we, I spent a lot of time apologizing for George W. Bush. I, I worked more on the kind of international circuit before on climate change and everywhere you went, people, people would give you grief for having George W. Bush as the president. So I, I feel like I haven't flexed those muscles in a while. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to take those back out in my, my, you know, prostrating before people and apologizing profusely for what we've done. Uh, well, okay. Well, apology, um, not definitely not needed, but very much uh, accepted. Um, but did did anybody see this coming? Because in the UK, there was, people's mouths are still on the, on the floor. They can't believe it happened. But did anybody in America um, seriously think that this would happen? You know, what's, what's alarming is I think there were some people who saw it coming and it was the folks who actually voted for Trump. I mean, I did not, but I live in a city. I grew up on the East Coast. I've lived all my life um, up and down the East Coast, rural and urban, but, but certainly not in the middle of the country. The more I've been talking to folks, um, you know, folks who are even progressives, but folks that live in middle states, um, states that were once blue states. So that means, you know, states that were more liberal, but now have turned more conservative. Um, you know, I think folks out there saw it coming a little more than folks here. We certainly have been hearing a lot about how um, young people have been leaving the middle of the country to the coasts. That's where the jobs are. That's where the attention's been spent politically. And yeah, I think we kind of, I think people are paying us back for being ignored, to be perfectly honest. So no, for me, it was a complete surprise. I actually watched the Brexit returns with a friend of mine from Brighton. And over the course of the evening, I mean, she just got more and more flustered to the point of screaming at the screaming at the TV. Um, that's kind of what happened on election night here, on the, at least in Washington, D.C. I think most of us were just in a state of total disbelief okay. um, by midnight. So uh, Donald Trump has said a great deal of very naughty things, right? including a lot of stuff on climate change, which we mm -hmm. ran through before getting you on. Could you just like tell the world how bad do you think the fact that the boss of the free world is a climate denier. How bad is that? Because it's not, it doesn't sound great. 
if I'm being no, honest. No, it's, it's not great. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I mean, of, of all the things that could go wrong for the climate, having a commander-in-chief that um, thinks that climate change is a uh, Chinese hoax, is, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty bad deal. I mean, I think what's, what's interesting about Donald Trump, like, to be perfectly realistic, I don't think he's a, you know, he's clearly not a policy wonk. So um, I'm not so worried that his climate agenda is crazy bad. It's it's mostly just crazy because a lot of it doesn't make sense. He wants to make us, you know, an energy independent to the point of isolationism, but he also wants to make sure the Keystone XL pipeline goes through and brings oil in from Canada. He wants to, you know, crank out the oil, the the gas here in the United States, but he also wants to bring back the coal industry. You you kind of can't have both things, to be perfectly honest, unless you're, I don't know, unless you're you're waving a magic wand over the market. So. So while the stuff he's talking about, expanding offshore drilling, um, bringing back the coal industry, knocking out subsidies for renewable energy, um, expanding oil and gas, it's funny right now, he says we've been holding back on oil and gas. We're doing more oil and gas than we ever have in the history of the United States of America. So I I feel like we're not doing, we're doing a pretty good job of of pulling stuff out of the ground. Um, But if we're going to do even more of that under Trump, that's certainly concerning. But but probably the most troubling thing is who he's putting in office who does have a policy agenda. And that includes executives from the oil and gas industry. You all have probably heard over there, the the lead of our transition team at the, um, at the EPA, at the agency that's in charge of making sure our environment and our public health is protected, um, is a climate denier and is, is a proud climate denier. Maybe he'll do a great thing and he'll cut, if he hates government spending, he'll cut, go, he'll cut government dole outs to the fossil fuel industry and then we can actually see um, which form of electricity stands on its own two feet here in America. Maybe that will be, I mean, we're hopeful that that would be um, cleaner, renewable energy, cheaper renewable energy, the kind of thing we've been aiming for for a long time. So maybe maybe there's a benefit there. I put it to you. <laughs> I put it to you <laughs> that you're trying to find the upside um, of something yeah. <laughs> of something Terrible. which is let's face it not good. Down. Right? <laughs> so how <Pretty> bad. <laughs> um, how likely do you think? So I've I've read quite a few things for for sort of variations on what you've just said which is like mm. maybe it won't be as bad as all that. But do you think it will be as bad as all that really? And I suppose also like does he <laughs> did, does he really mean this stuff or was it just a push to get elected? I mean how serious does he actually think climate change is made up or is it all just sort of you know who is this bloke i mean i it's a great question who knows what's going on in the brain of donald trump it's, it's probably a scary place to to try and wander around and here's the thing he's been very clear about about climate denial He's been very clear about making fun of people who are pro-environment, who are pro-renewable energy. Yet at the same time, his his company is petitioning for protection from sea level rise in uh, Scotland. So someone inside his organization knows and cares and believes in climate change. It doesn't necessarily mean that he personally does. I think, but again, like the the thing that's most important in American politics is who he's putting in charge of all the bureaucracy that actually deals with the environment and with climate change and with climate resilience and, and with shifting to renewable energy. So that's the part that for me is the most frightening is who he's putting in place. He's been a lot of time. I think, I think he, he really was good at latching on to a mistake that, that Hillary Clinton made by saying she's going to shut down um, coal mines and put coal miners out of work. Probably not the best campaign strategy to say that out loud. Mm. Um, even if you do mean it, he really latched onto that. And the news cycle here now after the election is really focused on coal miner jobs. There are not a ton of people who actually work in coal mines anymore. And um, if you look at American history, the decline of coal is is because of the cheap 
um, the cheap emergence of natural gas. And a lot, a lot of jobs are lost because of mechanization, not because of environmental regulation. That's not to say that environmental regulation does nothing to shut down the coal industry, but it's certainly not the main driver of why we've lost coal jobs. But hes I think he's just clever about reaching out to folks who are feeling really, really nervous right now and feeling really left behind and not listened to. Um, and he's got, you know, he's got the talk show, uh, reality sh- TV show kind of pomp, and, and people apparently love that. Never so it worked for him. To lose so badly. You're all fired. All four are fired. That's, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's very easy to say to a bunch of people who are out of work and who remember a past when they were in work, don't worry, I'll get you your work back. And, you know, in this case, it's coal related. But it's, it's surely much harder to make that a reality if, uh, by what it sounds like you're saying, there are bigger forces at play. I mean, how... How is he going to make, bring all these coal jobs back? Is it as simple as just starting up coal-fired power plants again? No, it's not. I mean, these are huge infrastructure investments. So you'd need to find someone who wants to pay for building new coal-fired power plants. And there are there's less and less investment in that sector. Certainly, there are more more investment in natural gas. But coal coal is being left behind mostly because it's not competitive anymore. It's not competitive with natural gas, but it's not even competitive with renewable energy at this point. So it would have to be super highly subsidized, which again, kind of contradicts uh, Trump's talking points on cutting big government, cutting cutting handouts from the public purse. So there, uh, there's just a lot of contradiction inside everything of what Trump, everything inside Trump's, uh, Trump's campaign, Trump's 100-day promises there's just some stuff that he's promised that 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 i don't think can be done so if he's a bit confused in his head about what he actually thinks on all this what about the people who voted for him and his supporters um and how big a deal is or was climate change and and coal and renewables in what motivated people to vote you know was it was it a cornerstone of of the election or was it as it appeared from the debates actually fairly irrelevant. It didn't seem to come up much. The way it broke down, it looked like, was really along party ideology. Um, 90% of Republicans voted for Trump. Um, and studies have shown that that ideology is a primary factor in whether or not you believe that climate, that human-created climate change um, is either true or is false. So um, I think that's one of the pieces. It's a, it's In some ways, it's a, it's a defining issue here in the United States. But there's also a huge race divide. Um, white voters, uh, Trump led with white voters, um, Clinton led with voters of color and voters of color are more, people of color are more likely to believe that climate change is a real and human caused problem. There's an urban rural divide. Um, Clinton took urban, um, voters and Trump took rural voters. Cities are the places where most climate action is happening right now. Um, younger and older, the same thing. Clinton took younger voters. Um, younger people are more likely to respond to, to messages around climate change. So, it's hard to kind of dice out, you know, if is climate change um, was climate change a reason why people voted for Trump or the or or feeling like climate change, the idea of solving climate change threatened um, their sense of of what America should be like. It's hard to know because it crosses so many other issues, I think. Um, but certainly we're seeing that that I would be surprised if climate change took people. I think climate change t- defending um, our defending action on climate change probably took people to the poll for Clinton. I, it's hard for me to imagine that 
denying climate change took me to the poll for Trump. But I think the idea of resurgence of manufacturing, resurgence of good jobs, the idea that that in some places coal is central to the American identity, that may have pushed people to the polls for Trump. I think what's 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 more nerve wracking is the seven million people that didn't show up to vote that voted for Obama. And I think that tells us a lot about why Trump won. I want to ask why Republicans think climate change is made up. I mean, that seems to be there seems to be this divide. Why is that? Why? Why is it possible for however many percentage of your new House of Congress to be (laughs) on the record as saying climate change is made up? Why is that a thing? What's going on? I don't know. This is this has been a this is so perplexing to me. There must be some fraction of that gang who, for whom um, it's a good talking point and it reverberates with their constituencies and they don't believe it. I, I would, I would guess, I would hope, I would hope to God that there's a, there are some folks that are just kind of faking it because it's, it's politically expedient for them. I think there are some folks, whether or not they truly believe it, have said um, it's part of their Christian faith that if, you know, if humans think they can actually change the climate, they're really being pretty uppity and only God can change the climate. So maybe that's a fraction of the folks that are in Congress who think the climate change is a hoax. Um, it's so hard to imagine that people who run our country don't believe in science. It's, it, I can I can only imagine that they're I can only imagine they're lying because it's politically expedient. It's so hard to to believe that folks would actually yeah. Um, maybe I can I can imagine that. Um, that maybe some of the Republicans think that that um, Democrats or environmentalists or liberals or whiny liberals and tree huggers are making it more of a big deal than it is, and would say, "Hey, ISIS is a bigger bigger deal, or um, unemployment's a bigger deal, or uh, a multitude of other things are a bigger deal," and and that's their way of kind of couching um, their climate denialism. It, it's hard for me to know. It's just it's so out of my it's um, so out of the way that I see the world, and so out of the way that I think many people see the world mm. here in Washington D.C. Um, but clearly, it's not out of the worldview of many people in the United States of America. So, um, my my guess is political political expediency, realistically. So you said that there are all these fairly stark divides. Um, in terms of climate change, so the urban vote, um, pro-climate change, rural, anti, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, does that mean that there is a huge chunk of the United States of America who are now going to be more active and more mobilised, I guess, because they realise that the thing they care passionately about is going to be trashed, or at least action to save it is, is going to be derailed. Are we going to see a, a bigger, more angry, more effective climate movement? And in some weird way, might might this be a good thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it a good thing. I think that's, I think, um, again, we're talking about putting a silver lining on a pretty heavy, heavy cloud. Um, but yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, lipstick on a pig. I was going to say polishing a turd, but I'm not sure you can say that on the radio. Um, but yeah, I, I we're already seeing in Washington D.C. and around the country um, massive response against Trump, and part of that is the environment community. It's the young people who came out for uh, to fight Keystone. It's the folks who've come out to fight the Dakota Access Pipeline along with Indigenous leaders. It's the folks that came out in New York City. The, you know, 400,000 folks that came out in New York City two years ago to say climate change matters to us. And and people are getting organized behind the scenes. What's super exciting right now is that we're seeing, I'm seeing at least, um, 
a lot more organizing across silos. So the climate people are mm-hmm. talking to people at Black Lives Matter and they are talking to the immigrant rights community and saying, okay, how do we have each other's back? Because we can't, we, we've said we can't, we can't work in silos anymore, but now we really see that the enemy is coming after all of us and we have to have each other's back. I think we're going to see a lot of creative, exciting, pissed off action around the country here in the U.S. And it's been wonderful to get the solidarity support with folks who've been doing actions in other parts of the world in response to Trump's election. Um, that certainly buoys us up and, and helps those of us that are not super interested in isolationism feel like um, people have our back, back in other countries too. So how much damage do you think you can do? I mean, you, you've talked mostly about the American energy system and American, you know, perception on climate change. But how much damage do you think he can do to global climate action? So he has threatened to pull out, he intends to pull out the Paris Agreement. But kind of how how bad a thing would that actually be, do you think? And what's the sense of that at home? I mean, let's be honest, we, we kind of functionally pulled out of the Kyoto Protocol and the world went on. We didn't, obviously we didn't save the climate because here we are today talking about it. But yeah, I think the world can go forward. I think China is laughing all the way to the, I don't know, to the UNFCCC climate summit. Um, now China is talking about being the leader um, on climate action, and they are doing a ton on phasing out fossil fuel and phasing in um, renewable energy and spreading renewable energy around the world. The joke's kind of on us, let's be honest. We could be using climate action globally as a way to build our own manufacturing uh, infrastructure in the U.S. around renewable energy. We could be exporting um things we manufacture here in the U.S. to other countries for for renewable energy and other places. If we pull back in this moment, I think it's only going to screw us, to be perfectly honest. We've got coal companies. I mean, we've got legacy coal companies that have gone into bankruptcy. um, And then all of a sudden you see stocks jumping uh, in the oil companies and in coal companies. I mean, that's that is they're feeling so confident that that I'm certainly feeling nervous in that sense. Um, I I, th- I think there was a real death knell. I, I think this is, this is it. I, in my mind, I mean, my first reaction was, "Wow, we've really got them where we want them." If if the powers that be um, have thrown so much support, if the oil, coal, and gas powers have thrown so much support behind Donald Trump, they must be squirming. Um, other folks <laughs> told me I was being a little too optimistic about <laughs> about where we were at with that. Um, but but I actually feel like this is this is what happens. Uh, you know, we have been laughed at. We've been told that what we're doing is ridiculous. I think what the power of the climate movement, the power of the environmental justice movement has become so, so strong um, that the oil, the fossil fuel industry um, is freaking out and has helped elect someone who has their back instead of having the American public's back. And so now it's time for the American public to speak up and say, okay, we may not have been and excited about voting for Clinton, but doesn't mean we're going to stand behind what and stand stand for what Trump is up to. And in fact, we're gonna we're gonna face off with it. Janet, th- thank you so much. I, I was going to ask for um, a reason to be cheerful, but I think you gave it to us actually, which um, <laughs> it was that that people aren't going to sit down and take this. Uh, it seems like there there is a huge amount that as as good that has gone on, and um, and no one's going to let that go lightly. And uh, I feel considerably more cheery than I thought I was going to feel. Um, but yeah, you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, uh, give Dave another reason to be cheerful. Then you've got got anything else? Absolutely. So today we just had a a, a pretty exciting landmark announcement from the Obama administration. Uh, they released their next five year offshore oil and gas drilling plan, and they have taken the Arctic Ocean as well as 
the Atlantic Ocean off the table for for drilling for the next five years, which is super exciting. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. And part of that, I think, is response to direct action that people took up in the Northwest and um, in stopping Shell from drilling in the Arctic. So I think it's it's a real sign of people power translating into policy. Uh, now we just have to stop Trump from rewriting that five-year plan uh, during his time in office. Yes. But we're holding on, we're holding on to the scraps. And I don't know if it's a whole lining, but we've got you know silver threads that we're that we're holding on to at this point. Janet, thank you so much for your time. And how can people get in touch with you on Twitter or that kind of thing if they want to know more about what you do? Um, you can always go to the Oil Change International webpage. I'm on Twitter at Janet Redman underscore DC. Uh, we're on Facebook at Oil Change. Uh, and look for us at Price of Oil on Twitter. And you get all the, all the good stuff we're doing um, all the time. Go on then, Ol. So that was Janet. Uh, so what do you reckon? Hmm? Uh, I reckon we're f- <laughs> Right. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> what do you reckon? What do you reckon? Do you reckon that, like, uh, that, that he can actually mess up as much stuff globally? I mean, it's not a great time to be, like, an American or a flower or a bear or a person who works in an environmental protection agency or a environmental protection agency, really. It's not a good time to be any of that. But for, like, the world... Because America's 15% of the world's emissions, which is a lot, but that means it's not 85% of the world's emissions, right? Yeah. So... What, is he just going to be... And, you know, Janet talks about all the stuff that's happening anyway. Like, you know, things are going on and he can't make coal economic again and all of that. So I I really genuinely do want you to have a go at cheering me up. Go. Oh, crikey. Okay. Um, Well, one of the things that is a bit uh, distasteful and remarkable about people in the UK and to an extent America, I guess it's, it's this sort of festering sense of empire, isn't it? In that we really think that if we're not doing something good, the rest of the world won't be either. You know, that it's our duty to lead the way. And so if, if, if we clever, enlightened people in America and the UK aren't doing climate change action, then, well, you know, those Johnny foreigners won't be because they're stupid. But that's, that's not true, is it? And Clever. You know, clever, clever Johnny foreigners. Clever Johnny foreigners. They are, and it, it just have a look at, at the people whose job it is, like the lovely Alice Bell at Ten Ten, who interviewed uh, in episode twenty mm, one. Why not? Yeah, uh, it, you know, they, it's their job to point out all of the good things that are happening. But places, entire countries have run on renewables for four days in a row. Who was that? Portugal. Mm, don't know. One of them. Lots of South American countries are doing loads of stuff. The point is that. We can all get gloomy about our own country's inability to do this stuff properly, but I don't think we have as much influence on the rest of the world as we tell ourselves we do. So I hope that we're less significant than we than we than we are than we think we should be. And I hope that America is. I hope the biggest economy in the world is less significant than it thinks it is. Hypocrite. 
Hypocrite. You are mm. a hypocrite. You are. Yes, I know. F- what's, what's you're a hypocrite. Of course you, I am. No, but I tell you why you're a hypocrite, right? Because, so I've just said to you, uh, like, is it a bad thing that the world's biggest economy and the guys with all the guns uh, have just, like, decided that climate change isn't a thing anymore? And you've gone, that oh, doesn't have to be. It's all right. Not have to obsess about what any one country is doing. It's fine, right? No, when, like, not, when no, the UK no, government, no, like, doesn't set a target of precisely the right amount to cut our piddly lip bit of emissions you open up in half corner you set one of those <laughs> pens up you, you write blogs you get all upset you say it's a disgrace we are failing everyone we are teeny tiny and you get miffed about what we do all the time so how yeah. can you like say it's not a problem what america's doing all right let me think about this answer um <laughs> both both things are true um well look you asked me to cheer you up so i'm just i'm just yeah, casting right, around right, for things right. that Probably aren't true, but that sound cheery. Um, I don't know what else, what else is going to happen. I think a lot. I think a lot of what Janet said is cheery, uh, which is that there are an awful lot of people who are very, very motivated to maintain the progress of the last eight years um, and also to stop bad stuff getting built. I just don't. For all the changes that he might be able to make in Washington, and all of the moneyed mates that might come around to to back him up, I don't think Donald Trump's going to find it easy to build massive pipelines through very special uh, lands where lots of people, unprecedented um, unions of uh, disparate groups, have come together to stop them in the past. I just don't think it's going to be easy. No, I don't. And also, here's another reason to be cheerful, right? So shut up and listen. This is a good one, unlike your one. Um, <laughs> right. Donald Trump is a businessman. Yes. Uh, he's a well, old, of fat sorts. business. Of sorts. He's an old, fat businessman. He's made all his money out of basically building hotels and building things, right? Did you know? Did you? Sorry to interrupt. Did you know he's the oldest man ever to have been elected president of the United States? I do know that old because that was a fact that like about three billion people have said in the last 10 days. Okay, we'll carry on. He's he's like so he represents Inhofe. How old is Inhofe? Isn't Inhofe about like eighty or something oh like God, that? Hang on, you you carry on talking. I'll look it up. All right, you look it up uh, over here. People like Lord Lawson and like people who bang on about how climate change is all made up. They're all like they're all old. Oh, all these dudes are uh, yeah. old. And climate change is a thing for the young. And look at uh, like compare. Donald Trump to Elon Musk, right? Sort of compare them as people, compare what they're doing and what their projects are and where they think value is going to come from and the sort of stuff they're up to, right? Or Dale 82. Vince. Right, 82. Inhofe is 82. Yeah, born right, in... Well, we are. Uh, in fact, oh, it's, we've just passed his birthday. That's a shame. Oh, I remember the 17th, 1934. <sighs> Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Happy birthday, birthday Jim Bastard. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Look, this isn't some sort of joke, you know. This is my birthday. You take this wrapping paper and you get me something good or else. Um, so, look, it's a generational thing, right? Like, the people who are out marching are primarily the kids. The people that didn't vote for Trump are primarily the kids. The people that are out there, like, doing divestment campaigning are the kids. And the people out there who are doing business models that actually look like where the world is going are the kids. And I bet you what you like, if you go to China, where they're, you know, investing colossal, great, mahusive amounts of yuan in building, like, renewables all over the shop, I bet that's the kids and all, right? Basically, my point is, this is what happens when you have a way of thinking about how an economy 
economy works, which rich old white men think is a good idea, right? And this is like the last little sort of death rattle. And I'm not saying it's not going to be pleasant, right? But if you look back on it, we'll look back at it in 20 years from now. Go back and listen to episode 61 or whenever it was we interviewed that Alistair Cameron. And he told us all about how everything's going to be brilliant in 20 years' time and our energy systems will work differently and we'll have given this all up, right? You go back and you look at it and we'll look at this and we'll go, that was it. That was like the, you know, the, the old order coughing up, as Janet said, coughing up and, you know, just sort of protecting its own and, and oil industry trying to rally around. But it's 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 on the way up, mate. It's old. It's finished. And that's why he's not going to scupper it all, really, because the world don't think like that anymore. Yes? Yeah, maybe. But that's that sort of... Physics is a problem, isn't it? Because mm. whilst whilst we might have, you know, an old order slowly dying and slowly giving way to a new one, physics isn't really waiting for that physics is plowing ahead and you know by which i mean there's too much carbon in the atmosphere (laughs) physics is happening it's chemistry isn't it mostly bill mckibben says it's physics bill mckibben's the boss of everything so screw you uh yes it's all you know it's happened there is too much of one thing in the atmosphere and we have vanishingly small periods of time left in which to reduce the amount of that stuff that we're putting up there before we all get cooked. And unfortunately, it looks like the old order might cling on for longer than those vanishing small, vanishingly small amounts of time. So sorry, but I'm going to piss on that bonfire. So Dave, remember we did a Brexit episode after that there Brexit happened, yeah? We went and gone and went and did it, didn't we? Episode 54, that was. That was, we were cross then and all. Very cross, cross very cross. Yeah. Um, but one of the things we weren't was too upset about the whole environment bit of it because, you know, rightly or wrongly, we thought that the Brexit vote had bigger and more profound implications for things like racial tension or massive division among communities and all that. The economy. Or the economy and all that horrible, horrible stuff. And while we said, you know, it's all right, people didn't vote to trash the environment, even though we think Brexit might do that. We weren't that concerned about it. We said, do you know what? Bigger fish to fry. Maybe it's because I'm in the UK and not in America, but I sort of feel like you can't say that with this. You can't say that with with Trump because America is really important. And if it knackers up climate change action, that's really bad. Reasons to be cheerful. So, reasons to be cheerful. (laughs) This is the section every week where we try to find some of the sunnier sides of what's been going on in the environment. But for God's sake, just think about it. Obviously, we're not doing a reason to be cheerful this week. Obviously, there's nothing good about what's going on anywhere ever again. So just, no, it's cancelled. It's off. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. Tell her to tuck you in bed. Uh, He's such a nice guy. Nasty little, I'll tell you, nasty people. Are Trump rallies fun? Are these fun? So that is just about it for your bonus babble, episode 64. Uh, Sorry about the whole end of the world thing. Um, 
I guess it is our fault. We shouldn't have gone away. Uh, we're here to stay now, though, and we will be back next week with a very exciting babble where we will explain just why we were away and why it's going to bring about Armageddon. Thank you to Janet Redmond for being such an entertaining and not as depressing as you could have been guest and for uh, enlightening us about exactly what the bloody hell America thinks it's doing. And thank you, as always, to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this here podcast. And if you would like to drop us a line, say hello, we have an email address. It is hello at sustainababble.fish. You can also find us on Twitter at the Babble Wagon or just search that there Facebook for Sustainable. If you like what you've heard, do please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or any of the other fancy Russia today. <laughs> Uh, any of the other state-sponsored media outlets that um, you find us on but but mainly iTunes because let's face it that's all we care about indeed so we wish you a very splendid week and we should be back next week and until then Ol I want you to completely and utterly fail to face up to the stark reality of everything that has happened and have a lovely week yes yeah my head is buried in the sand don't you worry about that bye 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 